Ah, yes. Good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a nutshell for your Wednesday morning, the middle of the week. It is the 20th of September, 2023. We are broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Daniel Pegger with you. Our number, as always, 1300 01 1170. You can text 0457 736 736. That's all before breakfast with Vossi and the Missile this morning for listeners through SEN. 11.70am in Sydney for this is in Queensland. Patton Hills to take you through the breakfast show after 6am. Good to be back with you after a couple of days off. Big thanks to Charlie Goodsir for filling in the chair. We will chat to him over the next couple of days as well as we get stuck into the preliminary final weekend in both the NRL and the AFL. But good to be back after a couple of days with tonsillitis. Uh, if you are young, if you're a kid listening, you probably should still be asleep. I recommend getting your tonsils out. Uh, not fun having it as an adult, but we are here ready and raring to go. Haven't missed much, have I? Uh, 1300 01 1170 0457 736 736. Coming up today, teams being named uh, for the two preliminary finals. I know there's been a bit of chat as well in my absence about the scheduling of the Saturday game between the Broncos and the Warriors. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts on that. Matty Cox from Melbourne will join us in about 15 minutes. We'll talk about all the big issues coming out of the NRL, the AFL. Might even have a chat with him about scheduling as well uh, in terms of what's happening with the AFL this weekend, whether they would be flexible to move things around. So looking forward to having a chat with him. But most importantly, want to hear from you on this Wednesday morning, one 1170 our open line number, or 0457 736 736, two past five. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Yes, except nothing less than Australia's best and install a ream, Australia's favourite hot water. Just if you are in the Sydney area, very hot again today. Been hot the past few days. I think nudging 35 today in the Sydney CBD before a cool change a little later on uh, and much nicer temperatures tomorrow, but obviously the fire danger extreme. So keep an eye on everything there. Hopefully we get through today okay. All right, what do you want to talk about? Because I've missed the past couple of days. I missed talking about the weekend of rugby league. We'll do that a little bit with Matty Cox uh, shortly. Now, obviously, winners, Melbourne Storm on Friday night and the Warriors. Can I And can I just say off the top, and I know I'm a few days late, but the scenes over in New Zealand, we saw it the week before in Newcastle, which was fantastic as well. But the scenes over in New Zealand, uh, it at the end of the game, when the Warriors had it definitely wrapped up, it was more, I thought, sounded more like an English Premier League game than an NRL game. And it'll be very interesting to see how many Warriors fans turn up to Suncorp Stadium on Saturday night for that game against the Brisbane Broncos. And look, on the way the Warriors played against the Knights, I give them a shot. Be a little harder, I think, against Brisbane on Saturday night, but you never, ever know. Uh, some team news coming out of the two games coming up this weekend. Teamless Tuesday yesterday, of course. Uh, Jerome Hughes, we'll start with the Melbourne Storm. Jerome Hughes has been named to make his return from a calf injury in a huge boost for the Melbourne Storm. Now, we know Tyron Richard, very good. Uh, we were talking on Friday morning about heroes, uh, unlikely heroes in finals. Well, Wishart, the first try scorer against the Roosters the other night on Friday night, and he played well. Uh, I thought at times probably outplayed Cam, Cam Munster at some point uh, throughout that game. He won't play, though. Jerome Hughes is back in. Um, the decision uh, to return Harry Grant as well to the starting side after he used, uh, used off the interchange bench is another significant decision made by Craig Bellamy. Um, so that'll be interesting. Now, we know for the Penrith Panthers, they've named Jerome Loy. Now, this is interesting. 
uh, what was it, five or six weeks ago, he hurt his shoulder. Uh, he will likely need to pass some further testing this week. And the Panthers have named Jack Cogger on the interchange bench, an insurance policy in case Luai doesn't survive the onslaught that is likely to come his way. I see, I think it was Phil Gould, begged the Panthers not to play Jerome Luai this weekend. Now, we know there are not many players running around at this time of the year with the teams that are still in it that don't have any injuries or some niggles. But Jerome Luai, only four, five weeks returning from that serious shoulder injury. And I think it would be safe to say if it wasn't a finals game uh, or preliminary final, I don't think he'd be playing. But he is. Uh, Cleary, uh, we know he was set for scans on Monday. He was never in doubt, though, on a finger injury uh, that uh, required readjustment. Uh, We expect him to be playing, uh, which is good. Uh, We'll talk more about it uh, on Friday morning with Charlie Goodson. We'll have a chat with it as well uh, about it with uh, Matty Cox shortly. But it's another intriguing round of finals footy in the NRL. The Storm, good at times against the Roosters, but I think they're going to need to be a lot better. The Warriors, very good. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on all of that. Interesting story on the back page of the Sydney Morning Herald this morning. Uh, We know we're off to Vegas in, what, less than six months' time, but the NRL is negotiating a deal to accommodate players three kilometres outside the centre of Las Vegas in an effort to ensure its American adventures is not hijacked by an off-field incident. The governing body is working overtime to finalise logistics around the 2024 season launch in the United States, including a potential deal for the players to be based in the newly built $6.8 billion resorts world in the south of Las Vegas. There are several reasons behind the NRL's decision to pursue accommodation on the outskirts of the town, but first and foremost is the safety and security of the players. Then is also the financial benefit of staying away from the Las Vegas Strip, as well as the logistical advantage getting in and out of hotels for training and gym sessions. Um... Resorts World, which has an 11,000 square metre casino and shopping mall built into it, not bad, is located about 45 minutes walk from the iconic uh, Vegas Strip, the Boulevard, and one hour from the Park MGM Hotel. The price of accommodation in the heart of Las Vegas would set the NRL back millions compared to a deal at Resorts World. So that is what they are going to do. Uh, Apparently, they're going to keep the players away from the Vegas Strip. We'll see if that actually works. Uh, Obviously, finance comes into it as well. Uh, Let's hope that when we get to Vegas, we're talking about what's happening on the field and all the good promotion of rugby league off the field, not any off-field incidents. I see what the NRL are trying to do. I still wonder, is it going to really keep the players away from uh, the Strip if they want to go there? But you never know. Uh, They're trying their best, the NRL, and that's probably all they can do. Your thoughts on that, uh, Resorts World? What did I say? Uh, 11,000 square metre casino and a shopping mall built into it. Very nice. Uh, might have to go. At seven and a half past five. Now, we know we're into NRL finals, but there are still a stack of stars who have completed their season or mostly completed their season that is still uh, off contract. Um, and without a contract as they head into the final month of their deals. Uh, the likes of Tarek Sims, Corey Oates, Jordan McLean, Luke Thompson, and Nathan Brown headline the list of players who are without a formal deal for 2024. There are three players who have been named to play in the first week of the finals who are still without deals for next year. Warriors bench player Bailey Siren was listed by the club as a departing player at the end of the season awards last week. Newcastle utility Kurt Mann has been linked to Canterbury for next season, as has Chooks utility Drew Hutchison, 
Well, injured Roosters said that Billy Smith has not had a deal announced for next season, although he's expected to extend his stint at the Roosters. Uh, Brisbane winger Oates and Melbourne form uh, Sims are the highest profile players yet to secure their future for next season. Oates, who was overlooked by the Broncos coach Kevin Walters for the club's finals campaign, has an opportunity to stay at Brisbane next season on a cut price deal. However, there has also been interest from elsewhere and Oates is expected to take some time to decide his future as he exhausts his options with the Broncos. Interesting. Tarek Sims, Corey Oates, Jordan McLean, Luke Thompson, Nathan Brown, Bailey Sirin and Kurt Mann. Out of all those players, who would you take? Who would be your number one pick at your club? Forget the salary cap for just a second. Tarek Sims, Corey Oates, Corey Oates, even Jordan McLean, Luke Thompson, Nathan Brown, Bailey Sirinan, Kurt Mann, Drew Hutchinson, although it does seem likely uh, he's going to be ending up at the Bulldogs. Who would you pick? Who's your number one pick of those off-contract stars who are now in the final month of their deal, almost in the final month of their deal when we hit October? It's an interesting one. There's some good players there. Who would be your number one pick out of that lot? 0457 736 736 is our text number. You can call the open line on 1300 1170 So plenty to get across your thoughts of the team's name. Will Jerome Luai play? Do you expect him to play or do you think they're playing a few mind games, the Panthers? We'll find out over the next few days. Uh, we'll talk about scheduling with Matty Cox in just a second as well. Which of those players that I just read out would you like to take? And anything else you want to talk about on this Wednesday morning? Good to be back with you. It's 10 past 5, 1300 0111 70 our open line number. Or you can text 0457 736 736. 14 and a half past five to Manny Cox in just a second. We we're just speaking about Vegas. Don't forget Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game with over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in with the chance. T's and C's apply. one 300 seems like Valentine Holmes' ban is basically all but sorted. We'll talk about that in just a second. Teams named for the games this weekend and interested to get your take. I know it was a hot topic yesterday. Interested to get your take on the scheduling, especially for the Broncos Warriors game as well. We'll do all of that and have a big chat with Matty Cox from Melbourne, uh, who is on the line now. Now on SEN, on SEN it's, it's time, time to, to trade, trade towns. towns. And a very good morning to you, Dan Pettigrew. Hello, Matty. How are we? Middle of the week, heading into preliminary final weekend. Doesn't get much better than this. Uh, and nice to hear your voice this morning as well. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Yes. A pleasure. Well, a joy. Well, I, I I won't bore you with all the details. You but hang on. Yeah. I'm going to jump in. You didn't get too excited on Friday night, did you? With <laughs> the Sydney Roosters, and then it's taken you four days to recover. Yeah, well, it did take me four days to recover. Not actually fully recovered, to be honest, Matty. But uh, no, I, I look, I'll be honest with you. I went out on Friday night. I had a, felt a bit coldy, but I went out on Friday night um, and watched the Roosters Storm game, which we'll get stuck into in a second. That didn't make me feel much better. And then woke up on Saturday morning with no voice, uh, which I think most people would probably say is a blessing, um, and tonsillitis. So I've been out of play for the past few days. The great Charlie Goodsir has been filling in uh, Monday and Tuesday. But back today, uh, still not 100%. But I wanted to be back so we could have a chat. That's how dedicated I am to this great cross. I'm disappointed. I thought we were going to have a chat about proper footy again. But anyway, we, <laughs> well, can, move, we can move on. That can be arranged. <laughs> now, mm. we we both of our codes experienced, and when I say our codes, AFL and NRL experienced a, another action-packed weekend of semi-final action, and it's created some mouth-watering preliminary finals. Let's start with the NRL, because back on Friday night, our storm, 
I say our storm, my storm, mm-hmm. Melbourne storm. They mm-hmm. got lucky, I think it's fair to suggest, with some great plays right at the end of the encounter. But it did come with a little bit of controversy. Can you explain what unfolded? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you're talking to me now about this and not Friday night. Probably would have got a fairly different answer. <laughs> um, look, I, look, I, I thought, you know, the, the winning play... Cam Munster, we know how good of a player Cam Munster is. It was a wild card play. Sometimes that happens and sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. Luckily for the Melbourne Storm that week, it did. For the Roosters, disappointingly for them, it didn't. Um, I think they were probably disadvantaged. And look, a lot of the talk heading into the game last weekend, Matty, was how many players the Roosters were missing, uh, particularly their wingers who are a bit taller than the wingers they had that night, which might have changed the result, but you'll never know. But look, the Melbourne Storm were without Jerome Hughes, and that was just a bigger out as some of the roosters that were missing. Um, I thought Wishart played very well. Uh, some of the decisions by the referee, Ashley Klein, who has now been dropped for week three of the finals, uh, which I'll get your thoughts on in just a second, were slightly uh, confusing, uh, probably more than slightly confusing. He is all, all already admitted there were mistakes. Probably the two that really stand out was in the first half. Now, the Roosters put up a bomb. Harry Grant went up uh, and then knocked it on. Now, live it looked like a knock-on, but understandably, uh, you never quite know when you're watching it on TV. He might have been able to regather it. A replay literally, Matty, five seconds later showed that it was a knock-on. And the thing that compounded that for the Roosters is that Melbourne then went on to score a try. Now, as the Roosters coach Trent Robinson said, they should be able to defend that anyway, but that's still not the point. They wouldn't have been in that position and it would have been a Roosters scrum in a really good attacking position. And then at the back end of the game as well, again, uh, involving Harry Grant. And there's, look, there's mixed feelings on whether um, he was taken high by the Roosters halfback Sam Walker or not. I've seen that given a penalty before. Sometimes uh, they leave it. They didn't give it a penalty. Uh, they ended up scoring anyway. But, yeah, there were some really, really poor decisions from Ashley Klein, um, and now he has been dropped, which is quite amazing because last week, uh, what, five days ago, he's in the top two referees, and now he's not. Um, And I don't know, would that happen in the AFL? Would a referee have such a bad game that they would get dropped for a preliminary final weekend, especially when he is recognised? Coming into last weekend, he was probably favourite to get the grand final. I'm going to say yes, because mm. the evidence I'll use for my answer is that towards the end of the home and away season, you may remember the controversy over at the Adelaide yes. over with the decision not to review a shot for goal from Ben Keys, which was judged by the goal umpire to have hit the post and that on replay, it was nowhere near the post. So that umpire was dropped for the remainder of the season. Mm. And again, at the time, that created debate about you know is it you know is it too cruel to crucify the umpire in that position because he made an error of judgment, he made a mistake. Was the safeguards around him in terms of the process correct, mm. like to to ensure that that mistake didn't happen? So there was that whole debate, but. I think if it's such a crucial decision, and everyone makes mistakes, yes. everyone can have a, a bad night. You and I have multiple bad mornings <laughs> every yeah, week. Yeah. Um, but considering the stakes are so high and considering mm. it's crucial, I think I've got no problem with it so long as the, the individual that's involved understands 
the rationale as, as to why they're no longer going to be selected. Mm. And they're given the, the pathway going forward to rectify that, the, the problems that they've had or the mistakes that they've made. So considering the experience in your situation, I don't feel as if there's any issue with it. And I would dare to dare to suggest that it would probably happen in the AFL as well if it got to that. And I think the other thing, and I've seen a bit of talk about this on social media over the past couple of days that has now sort of been brought back into the conversation, which sometimes gets spoken about, is in a situation like that with Harry Grant, which was clearly a knock-on, is there now reason to bring more technology into the game? But the funny thing is, Matty, is that 99% of people want less technology. But then when you get decisions like that, you think, oh, maybe we should. But then you think, well, how many decisions throughout the course of the year are we going to be stopping and starting? You can't bring it in for one thing and bring and not bring it in for another. So it is a really tricky one, I reckon. And you've got to make sure that the technology that you have is actually capable of doing the job that Correct. you're after, which is the, the constant heartache in the AFL that our technology is not delivering what we want it to deliver in terms of the camera angles, the clarity of the vision, the ability for it to be slowed down to within an inch of its life. Mm. And the fact that we don't have that technology right, that creates frustration, which means that people don't want the evasive technology, but then... You're right, you get these moments and everyone jumps back on the bandwagon and wants technology in sport. It's it's a very, it's a very complex one. situation. But what mm. it has meant now is that the Storm will face <laughs> the Panthers mm. in the NRL. Give us some hope down here. <laughs> are, are the Storm any chance of knocking off the team that is looking to go three in a row? Always a chance, Manny, um, but I think the Penrith Panthers would have been watching that game, uh, whether all the players did. I'm sure their coach Ivan Cleary did the other night uh, on Friday night and thinking, look, whoever we play, whether it be the Melbourne Storm or it be the Roosters, uh, they would have been pretty confident coming into whoever they have to play. I think they'll be confident against the Melbourne Storm. Now, that's not to say that Melbourne Storm can't win it. Uh, we know their coach, Craig Bellamy, a fantastic coach. They've got some very good players. Jerome Hughes returns from that calf injury. If they play at their best, of course, they're a chance. But from what I've seen over the first couple of weeks of the finals with the Melbourne Storm, and to be honest with you, Matty, the whole season, even though they finished third, still being a little inconsistent throughout the year. And then you look at the two finals they played, smashed by Brisbane a fortnight ago, lucky to beat the Roosters, a very understrength Roosters on Friday night. They need to turn up and play a lot better than they have over the past couple of weeks. Yes, their performance against the Roosters was better than the performance against the Broncos, but they probably shouldn't have won. That That's probably where it is. So they have to kick it up a lot of gears to be able to beat Penrith. They're a chance, but I think they're a slim one. But you never know. And then the other preliminary final mm. this weekend, it's the, the epicentre of the universe, yeah. Brisbane Town, Brisbane Vegas this weekend, because... The Brisbane Broncos, they're hosting a preliminary final and down the road at the Gabba, so are the Lions. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about scheduling in just a second, but just with that Broncos-Warriors final, it'll be fantastic. I don't know uh, if you saw the scenes on Saturday afternoon. It was good on Saturday, and it'll be similar this weekend as well from this point of view. You've got, uh, well, last Saturday you had the NRL into the AFL. Uh, this weekend it'll be the other way around, but... Uh, the scenes in New Zealand, uh, especially when the Warriors had won that, got that game wrapped up, it was more like an English Premier League game than watching an NRL game. The atmosphere, it was just rocking in New Zealand. Um, and it's such a feel-good story. Uh, I think 
everyone bar Broncos fans uh, on the Warriors bus this weekend and hoping they can get themselves into a grand final. It'll be a tricky thing. Um, it's an interesting one, though. I mentioned how good it is on Saturday for people in Australia because we've got AFL into NRL if you want to watch both on Saturday evening, early evening into night. But I do feel for the people in New Zealand, Maddie, because this game is going to be kicking off at 7.50 Australian time, which is 9.50 over there. And the other thing, and that's a Saturday night, the other thing that I think is going to be really intriguing about this is let's say the Warriors do pull off what would be considered an upset against the Broncos. The grand final is a Sunday night at 7, 7.30 here, which would be 9.30 over there with no public holiday in New Zealand the next day. So I feel sorry for the people in New Zealand, but... The NRL, they've tried, uh, they've held meetings to change it. It doesn't seem like they will be able to change it. Would the AFL, I know you don't have a team uh, overseas, but would the AFL be a bit more flexible? Or, again, does, do the broadcasters have a lot of say in what happens with the AFL scheduling? Uh, it would maybe be some slight flexibility, but I think once it's all locked in, it's all locked in, isn't it? It doesn't really shift or it's almost in. I mean, we've had cases here where... There's games that are scheduled for Marvel Stadium, which are going to be clearly going to exceed the capacity of Marvel mm. Stadium. And there's been calls to move those games to the MCG and that doesn't happen. So I'd be inclined to say, no, I don't think it, it would change too much. And I know it is disappointing from a New Zealand perspective that it is going to be late, but that's every year, isn't it? Surely well, yeah. that they're used to the, this sort of setup even though I know their team hasn't been mm. anywhere near as successful as what they've been this year, which will increase the interest. But surely, surely there can't be too much heartache. And I think as well, um, at the end of the day, if, if the game had been in New Zealand like we saw last week, clearly it would have been moved to uh, 4pm, 6pm time slot, whatever they would have wanted to do. They wouldn't have had the game kicking off in New Zealand at 9 50 um, I suppose the flip side to that, I, I saw an argument uh, on Twitter yesterday just before we get to the AFL, is that, oh, well, you know, if they're on at the same time, it might take people from one game to another. But both games sold out. Suncorp Stadium sold out. The Gabba sold out. So the people that want to go to the NRL, the people that want to go to the AFL are going to go. I suppose TV plays a part in it. Um, uh, and look, it has been done before. If you remember 2021, Melbourne uh, played, I think it was Penrith actually in the prelim final, and that was moved to an afternoon game. But that was simply because it was AFL grand final day and we were in COVID times where uh, people outside of Brisbane weren't really allowed into uh, games. So disappointing, but look, I know 9.50 is late, but it is a Saturday night this weekend. Uh, I'm sure the pubs in New Zealand will be rocking. Um, I feel for the people who are younger who might not be able to stay up, but Good luck getting them to sleep, I reckon, uh, heading into that one. But it's a big weekend of AFL finals as well. GWS in there. Carlton into a preliminary final. Uh, watch the end of that match on Friday. What a thriller. Yeah, it was an extraordinary finish. Just when it looked as though Melbourne had got over the line and had avoided the disappointment of being bundled out in straight sets for the second consecutive year. Mm. Carlton came from the clouds and there was a, the, the last moments of the match, Sam Doherty, there's a, there's a brilliant story behind him. He's battled cancer twice. He dislocated his shoulder just prior to half time mm. and still took a, a courageous mark. If he doesn't take that mark attacking side of, of the wing, and then he's able to get it inside 50 for, for Blake Akers to kick a goal. But Carlton aren't progressing through. So mm. 
Sam Doherty, all credit to him. A, a marvellous story, a former captain. And ironically, he played for Brisbane many, many, many years uh, ago or was drafted to them at least. And it's a bit of a conflict as well for Michael Voss, the, the champion yeah. of the Brisbane Lions, the captain of their three-peat almost 20 years ago. He's going or well, returning to the Gabba this weekend as the coach of Carlton, who have revitalised this season, along with GWS. They're probably the two outstanding stories from where they were at the midpoint of the year. We were having conversations here about the pressure on coaches and the scrutiny that was on Michael Voss. He's turned this team around. They're incredibly competitive. In my eyes, Brisbane should be too strong. They've been so dominant at the Gabba this year. I think it's, what is it, 11 or 12 wins from their games in 2023 at home. They haven't dropped one. So I would expect Brisbane to progress through, but it's a preliminary final. Weird Mm. things do happen. And you just have to, you, you can feel the buzz around the city about this, this big football club, this big traditional, very loyal, very emotional fan base of the Carlton footy club. They're up and about, they're surging at the moment. And there's, a buzz around the city and down Ligon Street in particular, which I know is a famous street that mm. everyone would be aware of. So it's brought brought this Carlton Footy Club to life. And the other the other story is GWS, as yeah. I told you last week. Get on this bandwagon because this Friday night against Collingwood, Collingwood being the top side for the better part of the year, haven't been firing on all cylinders in the last month and a bit, mm. still very capable of progressing through to the grand final. But in my eyes, it's a genuine 50-50. The way mm. that GWS are playing, yes, they've played more games over the last month, which, and their ruckman, Kieran Briggs, is under a bit of an injury cloud with a shoulder injury. So are they starting to get a bit banged up? Who knows? But what they produced against Port Adelaide on Saturday night was phenomenal. They they could be in a grand final, which which is which is extraordinary considering where they were at the halfway point of the year as well. And it's interesting. You look at the different combinations for grand finals. Obviously, GWS could be. Imagine a Carlton Collingwood grand final as well. How much that would mean? I was going to ask Maddie in rugby league. The two teams that played on Saturday night, Warriors and the Knights, they were the feel good stories. The Warriors won, so they continue on to be the feel good story. Is there a feel-good story of the AFL? Is there a team that if your team's not in it, you're getting behind? Is it Colin? Is it GWS? I'm personally, mm. I'm on the GWS bandwagon. Mm. I, I've I've become attached to what they've produced, not only in this final series, but towards the end of the season. They're playing an exciting brand of footy, and it's hard not to fall in love with what they're producing at the moment. But Carlton are equally the story of success. And then even Collingwood and Brisbane, they've got their own stories, which have probably been lost in the wash over the last couple of weeks because of the dominance of both GWS and Carlton, who were our elimination final victors two weeks ago. And so there's been the the build-up and hype around those two teams in particular. But for Collingwood, their resurgence over the last 18 to 24 months being the top side all year under Craig McRae 
who's revitalised the Collingwood Football Club. And then Brisbane, mm. you know, this is the fifth year that they've made finals. They've been under so much pressure, so much scrutiny to perform and get the job done. And it finally looks as though they've primed themselves for this opportunity. In previous preliminary finals, there's probably been a bit of doubt. You probably couldn't trust Brisbane the way that you can this year. Um, it's a fascinating two games that we've got coming our way this weekend. And again, for your audience, because I know GWS, they, they have struggled for crowds and support. Get on the orange tsunami. Mm. Get on the orange tsunami, which is what it's affectionately known. That's kind of what the style they play has been described. It's re- resurfaced again in 2023. So jump on board and watch watch them on Friday night against Collingwood because it will be a thriller. And the other thing probably leads us into our next story. The other thing I reckon the AFL will be pretty happy about is that, and I know the Lions have had success in uh, the past, a lot of success in the past, but you look at uh, the two of the four preliminary finalists, they're two teams in a, uh, tar- in a market Sorry, they are trying to target. Obviously, Rugby League, Heartland, both Sydney, especially Western Sydney, and obviously Brisbane as well. So I think the AFL will be pretty happy with, uh, with success of both GWS and the Brisbane Lions. And you can throw in the Gold Coast Suns as well because they're going to be playing in a VFL Grand Final on Sunday afternoon as well. So both Brisbane clubs are involved in September action, even mm. though the Suns not in the uh, the top tier of the competition. But there's still some representation in the second tier. Mm. Yes, very, very interesting. Hey, Matty, if I asked you a question, who do you think would be, uh, this is a poll that's come out, would be the top supported AFL team uh, in the country? Uh, Collingwood. Collingwood? Uh, no, it's not. It's no. not. No. Uh, I wish I had one of the... If Now, if I was prepared, if I was good at my job, I would have got <laughs> one of these uh, to give you. There you go. Uh, better late than never. Not Collingwood. No, it's the Swans. The Swans. The Swans. Yes, apparently. Roy Morgan poll says the Swans now have 1.3 million supporters, an increase, Manny, of 209,000 supporters on a year ago, according to the 2023 annual Roy Morgan AFL supporters survey. Uh, Collingwood uh, now has 875,000 supporters. I find this interesting because uh, the Rugby League hasn't had uh, one of these yet this year. It might come out. Maybe it comes out next week. I don't know. But the one that Roy Morgan did last year, uh, the top supported team was the Melbourne Storm. It's two clubs, the Swans, no offence, the Swans and the Storm, that you wouldn't automatically say they are the most supported clubs in their respective codes. No, you wouldn't. But you can also understand why they would probably have the support is because they're such great clubs culturally. Mm. They, they've got such this strong essence of who they are and you think of the the bloods and and from a from a football or an AFL perspective, the Sydney Swans and that bloods culture from when they were South Melbourne and how that continues to run through and the way that they play and perform on field and obviously making the grand final last year on of making finals this year, but unfortunately not uh, not progressing beyond the first week. And then from a Melbourne Storm perspective, it's again they haven't been. They have been successful, but not the most successful club in recent times in the in the NRL. Mm. But there's still something that makes you invested in what they're doing. You you can't write them off, and I think the same can probably said be said about Sydney. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not. They made the finals. They bowed out in the first week of the finals, as we know. It's an interesting one. I think if you surveyed each AFL fan and each like, and again, who knows how many people actually get surveyed for these things? You'd probably probably not land on the Melbourne Storm or the Sydney Swans. I think. Though being a one, although the Swans not a one-team town now with GWS, but they were for a long time a one-team town. I think that does help that as well. Um, if there were eight clubs in Sydney and eight NRL clubs in Melbourne, it would be a lot different. And the success, as you say, that both clubs have had and continue to have. They've been at the top of their game mostly for, what, 10, 20 years now. So I think definitely that does help. Absolutely. Now, just before I let you go this yes. morning, we've had a conversation this week about the potential to name our Premiership Cup after Ron Barassi, who sadly passed away mm. over the course of the weekend, a giant figure in our game, 253 senior VFL games, 204 for Melbourne and 49 for Carlton. Between playing and coaching, he claimed 10 Premierships at the Ds, the Blues and the Kangaroos. And there's been the conversation this week. What's the best way to acknowledge his legacy and standing in the game? And the, mm. the, the biggest theory at the moment is renaming our Premiership Cup, which can divide some people and removing the purity, if you like, of the Premiership Cup. You've got names attached to your Premiership Cup. Is, is there any... Do, would you see any problems, do you think, in naming our Premiership Cup after the great Ron Barassi? Uh, no, I don't see why that would be an issue. And yeah, it was very sad news coming through. I think it was Saturday night uh, that news broke. No, I don't see any issue with it at all. The Proven Summons Trophy, which is the trophy if, uh, if you win, if you uh, win the Premiership, uh, named, I think, in 1982. So this is a long time now that uh, we have had uh, back in the New South Wales Rugby League and now more recently over the past uh, 20 or 25 years, the NRL. Uh, yeah, uh, look, I don't see an issue with it at all. I think... Whatever you can do to honour a legend of the game, uh, you do. Um, I know, obviously, he accepted a state, was family accepted a state funeral, which is great. But in terms of what you can do for him in terms of the game, I don't see an issue with that. If that's the best that the AFL think they can do, or one of the things that they think they can do to honour him, then 100%, I don't see an issue with that at all. Well, I think the, the thinking behind it is that if it's not going to be named after Ron Barassi, it'll never have a name mm. attached to it. The other theory is to name the Premiership Medallions that all the players receive after the victory, to name them the Ron Barassi Medal, affectionately call them the Ron. Um, so it'll be curious to see where that decision lands. And as, as I let you go this yes. morning, Dan, mm. before your voice gives up on us... <laughs> yes. I believe you found one. I did. I did. I, I did find one. And my way here this morning, uh, and I knew the Wallabies had played over the weekend, and I know they lost, but the Uber driver goes to me. And, I, and look, I'll be honest, he has picked me up a couple of times. Um, so I already kind of knew he was a fan, but he goes, oh, did you watch the Wallabies on the weekend? I said, uh, no, unfortunately I didn't. But he got up for not just the Fiji game, also the Georgia game as well. He said that, no, he's been loving watching the Rugby World Cup. So fantastic. We have found someone uh, that is invested in the Wallabies. Yes. So straight on the text, if you're out there and engaged in the Rugby World Cup, because for an, from an Australian perspective, it, after going down to Fiji for the first time since, what, 1954, I think it was, on the weekend, it's um, and makes it a do-or-die this weekend. It's 
not been mm. the best of campaigns and creates further issues for that sport in my eyes. Yeah, he did make a very good point just quickly, and I think we said this last week, is that obviously the time difference doesn't help. Um, not uh, Obviously, a Wallabies games are on free-to-wear. There are other games on stand, which you can easily get, of course, but not everyone has. And I think that probably doesn't help it either. But he made a very good point. If the Wallabies were winning and were successful, we would be hearing a lot more about it. A hundred percent we would be. We would definitely. Mm. Uh, well done, Dan. Nice to hear your voice. Thank you, Matty. Glad to be back. I'll speak. I'll speak next. Uh, speak to you next week. <laughs> Maybe. Good finish. You <laughs> yes. made it all the way through, I and then just stumble on the final Stumbled. hurdle. I know. Thank you. Well done. Uh, Matty Cox in Melbourne, and we will have a chat with him again next week on the show at 19 to 6. Anything to come out of that chat? Ashley Klein dropped. I know this has been a topic yesterday. I know Vossi had a few things to say about it on the breakfast show in Sydney yesterday. Your thoughts, though? Um, are you probably happy is not the right word, but do you think it is the right choice to drop Ashley Klein for this weekend? And then you read in some circles, though, even though he has been dropped, He's still a candidate for the grand final. Well, I don't see how that can happen. Um, you can't get dropped after week two of the finals and then come in and referee the grand final. Maybe in the bunker if you, that's the way they want to go. Uh, do you think it's the right decision that he was dropped? Would you like to see uh, the time move for the game on Sunday or Saturday afternoon or Saturday night move to the afternoon to accommodate viewers in New Zealand? Should we be doing more uh, and as much as we can to accommodate all viewers, not just people in... Brisbane, Sydney, but again, New Zealand. I know what Maddie was saying, but again, 9.50 is a late kickoff. But then, as I said to him, on the flip side of that, at the end of the day, we're going to be in a position that if the Warriors do beat Brisbane, that's a big if, but if the Warriors do beat Brisbane on Saturday night, we're in a situation where the grand final kicks off at 9 o'clock um, and then um, we get on a Sunday night and with no, to the best of my knowledge, no public holiday in New Zealand on the Monday. And that's not going to be moved. Let's go to the open line quickly before a break. Chris from Rose Bay is on the line. Morning, Chris. Yeah, good morning, Dan. Look, regarding the uh, grand final, mm. I have, I've been in, to, to, I've been actually in New Zealand for two grand finals yep. in the last 10 years. Mm. It's actually worse than what you're saying because we start daylight saving on the Sunday and they don't. So it's actually three hours difference in New Zealand on the Sunday. Now, if you compare the Aussie rules on the Saturday, it starts at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in New Zealand, mm. um, or 4.15. Every pub, every club is chock-a-block. Um, Sunday, the game starts over there between 10.30 and 11 o'clock because they don't have daylight saving. I went to Auckland from Taronga. In Taronga on the Saturday, I saw West Coast beat Collingwood. Every place was chockers. Mm. I get to Auckland on Sunday, nothing's happening. Mm. Every because they're not the, the the pubs, the clubs that have to shut. It's Monday's a work day. The game doesn't finish over there until twelve thirty, one o'clock mm. in the morning. Um, and, and it's a work day. And you go over and you say, "What are you guys doing for the rugby league?" Nothing. It was on TV. It rated one. It got one percent of the audience. Yeah. Um. I, so for Andrew Abdo to come out yesterday and say we're doing it for the supporters, you know, we've got this. No, you haven't got the New Zealand supporters in mind. If they get to the grand final, this is going to be. It's an outrage if this I, happens again. I did just have it. Sorry, Chris. I did. I was just googling while you're talking. There. It does say uh, this year uh, that they are. They do go to. Uh, 
daylight savings. They move their clocks uh, next uh, this Sunday, so maybe that has been rectified. But regardless of that, Chris, it's you, you make a very good point. And when they played Manly in the grand final, look, I was in the UK uh, in 2011, so I'm not entirely sure what time that kicked off, but that might have been a twilight grand final, which would have been about 7 or 8 p.m. over there. I, I just think, especially, it's bad enough this weekend for people in New Zealand, Chris, I think... Next weekend, and I know we're skipping ahead one step that may not happen, next weekend would be almost uh, unthinkable, unless they somehow make a public holiday out of thin air on the Monday. Uh, I don't know what they uh, do. They, they're not going to do that. No. The thing is, it's the, third big, it's the third biggest league market for our competition yep. behind Queensland and New South Wales. Yep. And they're ignoring it. Yeah. And to say that they, they've accepted it, they, they just ignored the grand final. They yep. don't care about it because they feel excluded over there because of the time. So the, the uh, AFL garners a lot more interest because it's at a much more time-friendly uh, zone at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. And they all go out there. So I think it's bizarre when I go to New Zealand. I've been there twice, like I said, in mm. 10 years. Uh, AFL, much more coverage in terms of a grand final than the league, even though it's a league country. So, uh, you know. And a much better time to watch. Chris, got to run. Thanks for the call, mate. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye. Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, 1300 01170 or 0457 736 736. We'll take a break, come back with more. Quarter to six, Tradies News in a nutshell. Uh, ten and a half to six text here from the Kingswood World. A morning, uh, Dan. I had my tonsils out of my 20s for the same reason. Good choice. Although he does say this painful throat for maybe a week after the op, uh, but they've grown back. Ah, well, they didn't tell you that in the brochure. Uh, thank God you're back. I hate I hate to even think what Charles and Matty Cox would cook up in your absence. No, uh, it would have been, well, it would have been a lot of talk about proper footy, as Charles calls it. But no, Charlie did a great job uh, the past couple of days. I was tuned in, listening. He did a wonderful, wonderful job. And the big G says on the text, Morning, Dan, I'm a night shift worker, so I'd like to see games move back to Saturday and Sunday afternoons. Cheers, the big G. Well, yes, that would be potentially an option as well, but I think TV and Channel 9 in particular I love the fact that they've got a Friday and Saturday night game. It is 10 to 6, Tradies News in a nutshell. A few texts to finish things off on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Trookman says, hi, Dan. Klein uh, stuffed up two weeks in a row with uh, Bitegate and Dropgate. He needed to go Dropgate, Bitegate. Very good. Very good for this time in the morning. Thank you, Trookman. Uh, Rooster Mars has a bit of a differing view on this situation in New Zealand. He says, good morning, Dan. I'm getting a bit sick and tired of all this pandering to NZ stuff because of starting times, etc. They play in our NRL competition. We don't play in theirs. Rooster Mars. That's an alternate view, and I'm sure other people do. Uh, subscribe to that view as well. At Junior Smithy says, Morning, Dan. The off-contract players I would take for the Bulldogs would be Jordan McLean, as we need a leader for the pack, Bailey Sheridan, Jack Johns, Jake Turpin, and uh, a couple of other players as well. Brisbane Eel, uh, thank you for your text. I'll save that for the breakfast show that's coming up after 6 o'clock, so I, they will do that justice. I'll be back tomorrow. Chris Perkins back with me after he was on yesterday with Charlie, and Paul Dennett will bring us all the latest in cricket. Breakfast coming up through Brisbane and Sydney after the news. I'll see you tomorrow morning, 5 a.m.